hey folks welcome to another edition of the mental health podcast um i have uh, uh, isabel here with me and uh, i can't wait for you guys to hear what she has to say hey isabel how are things with you hello hello i am doing great uh doing much better now than i have been in a while so um it's great to be here all right good to know um and uh, you know before we get started um i usually ask people to give themselves an elevator pitch of sorts uh, so that people understand where you're coming from and get your perspective as well so here you go the floor is all yours um i am a computer science college student i do tech on i mean i build products go to hackathons um in terms of mental health i have been in treatment since um 2018 um have gone through a lot of ups and downs a lot of misdiagnoses gone through a lot of medication and now i have gone like with some recent experiences i've i've gotten to make mental health a more um central part of how i live my life make made it much more of a priority i guess is what i'm saying okay um yeah that you know there there are a lot of things that are in there that i want to sort of unpack but uh, let's just get started with this question right like what does mental health mean to you uh, and then we can go from there <laughs> mental health means to me how healthy you are um in terms of regulating your emotions in dealing with stressors with um interpersonal relationships and what it means to me like how important it is to me is very <laughs> i guess cuz um i grew up in um a country and an environment where mental health wasn't seen as a real thing it wasn't seen as important enough to merit a discussion um so being in a place now or creating a space now that makes talking about mental health safe and welcome and encouraged is very important to me yeah so like um i think we can talk about this for hours but like i'll just bring it up anyways but you know uh, one struggle that i have personally is like growing up in you know i don't know spaces or atmospheres where you know mental health isn't uh prioritized as much um you know uh, that creates a lot of uh struggles internally externally you know in terms of your own sort of relationships so uh can you talk a little bit about like when uh you know did you realize that oh you know what i needed some mental health help and you mentioned 2018 as the you know timeline so like you know what made you wait till 2018 to sort of get help uh, from that standpoint as well so um actually i want to clarify i i had the symptoms so i had a depressive episode um basically the equivalent of middle school um mm-hmm. i'm like in the american school system um mm-hmm. i was in middle school and i was basically um like went manic and then depressed but no one saw the signs but mm-hmm. i knew something was wrong with me but no one could like tell me exactly what was wrong i lashed out i dropped myself out of middle school um mm-hmm. i had and and that was what like that was a catalyst like me dropping out 
to mm -hmm. moving to America since I had nothing left for me there anyway, back in my country. Mm -hmm. um, so it was like, I knew something was wrong from that point when I dropped out, um, mm -hmm. but I didn't get the resources of like, hey, I, there are doctors specifically for these. There are diagnoses, there are medications until mm -hmm. I moved to America. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until like I got my own work, I got like my own Medicaid um, mm -hmm. and like navigated the mental health system that mm -hmm. I was able to look for a clinic that had a psychiatrist and a therapist and then got that kind of treatment. Definitely. Um, you know, um, one thing that I definitely wanted to highlight is for one, um, awareness um, is a big challenge for us. Uh, there is the next aspect of access uh so you know these sort of go hand in hand in you know different sort of symptoms and um you know when it proceeds uh, to the long term diseases almost right uh, when it goes undiagnosed from, from from that standpoint so uh you know one thing that i have noticed myself is like there are certain things uh which people call as red flags uh when they see in people uh, as they engage in different kind of relationships here. But like, you know, coming from an ecosystem which sort of doesn't believe as much in mental health, can you talk a little bit about like how your sort of own relationships with your own family has sort of evolved? Or, you know, where were some of your struggles along the way as well? So, yeah. Um, so I, I definitely found some red flags with like the culture that I was raised in, for example. Um, we are Filipinos are gossipers. We love to gossip. Right. And even if it's not our business, we will make it our business. So right. that has instilled in me the the thing of like caring about what other people think, of mm -hmm. worrying about others' opinion of me. God forbid auntie from like down the street knows that I haven't graduated after right. seven years. <laughs> like it it's it's made it, it's taken such a toll on my mental health that I was taught to care and to gossip and to like meddle in other people's business. And mm -hmm. I like have tried to make like, I, I mentioned earlier of like trickle down therapy of like what I learned in therapy, I'm trying to bring to my community, to my parents, to my relatives and like, hey, there is a better way of living than to mm -hmm. waste our energy talking about what auntie down the block is like doing with her life. Definitely. Um, so I, I I've been it's been really gratifying seeing that like hey like you you know the thing like you can't teach old dogs new tricks that's definitely not the case with what I'm seeing with my especially with my mom of mm -hmm. like she's learning to be more accountable and like not joking that it's my fault when it's actually her didn't she didn't know a thing and mm -hmm. like um, learning to apologize and like hearing your parents apologize for something that they've never apologized before is so healing mm -hmm. so <laughs> that's that's been a good experience for me as well um you know when you said that out loud you know so many sort of thoughts popped into my head in terms of understanding you know what are some things that you needed that you didn't get and what are some things that uh, your parents could have done better, but they didn't. Uh, and for them to sort of acknowledge that they didn't do better, 
um you know it, it's been a whole journey for me uh, because like you know people talk about you know forgiveness but uh, understanding what you're forgiving somebody for understanding you know why you know it means so much to be asked for forgiveness or to give away that forgiveness it has been a whole sort of journey uh, from uh, my standpoint uh, you know one thing that sort of comes along with this uh, was the aspect of you know generational trauma right um so can you you know talk a little bit about like what that means to you and how you've seen that sort of evolve as well so um generation <clears throat> sorry generational trauma the way that i've seen it is that um or actually i the way that i understood generational tra trauma is through the empathy that i saw of like hey i'm going through this 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 inner turmoil of my own stuff from my mom and mm -hmm. then i could see hey she's going through the same stuff i'm going through maybe she like where did she get hers from and then i'm understanding hey that came from grandma where did mm -hmm. grandma get it from so um generational trauma is this this trickle down effect of issues that that our grandparents struggled with became issues that our parents struggled with that we are now trying to break that cycle mm -hmm. um so for example for me one of the, the the generational curses that i am trying to break is like expectations there's this mm -hmm. expectation to succeed to mm -hmm. be the best at all times and being like even if i'm like for lack of a better word mediocre like if i'm not being the absolute best at things but i'm happy with where i'm at like mm -hmm. um hearing that hey my mom is okay that i'm taking my time with my graduation mm -hmm. um is healing that generational trauma of always having to do things first of always mm -hmm. being like the fastest or the best definitely um you know um one thing that um i I don't know, I want to repeat it a few million times to people is that uh, dealing with expectation, understanding, you know, what expectation means to you, uh, understanding, you know, how you can sort of go about, uh, you know, making sense of where you are and where you can be, um, you know, is a conversation that takes years to sort of get past. And like you, you mentioned that, like, you know, you took a little longer to sort of you know get your degree from from that standpoint so I'm, I'm trying to understand like what was the journey like for you as an individual right like to sort of come into come to senses of saying hey you know what it's okay that you know I, it is taking me more time it's okay that you know i am doing the best i can so can you talk a little bit about that from from that standpoint i'd love to because this is something that i either am currently or have struggled with a lot like this is like the record scratch of the entire flow for me of like so w one of the things that i'm realizing is like of all the lies we tell the hardest ones to realize that they're a lie are the ones we tell ourselves and the lie mm -hmm. that i've been telling myself is that in order for me to be worthy of love i have to be perfect i have mm -hmm. to be excellent i have to be like this certain level of a person mm -hmm. so I, f I forgot where I was going with that, but um, that, like, I'm sorry, can you repeat the question that I was trying to so, answer? So basically, you know, how do you sort of make sense of where you are at uh, when, you know, whatever goal that you've set takes longer to get to? Oh, as in, 
So. <laughs> yeah. So the, re recognizing the lie that like, yes, I am still worthy of love, even if I'm taking longer. Yes. My, like I am still as worthy of a person that I am, even if I'm taking not the same trajectory or not the same pace as everyone else. And one thing that has been helpful for me is like realizing that we're on, we're all the, it, regardless of what pace it is, we're all on different journeys. We're all on different paths. So saying that you're behind someone is based on the assumption that you're walking the same path, but you're not. They're, they're taking a different winding road than you are that you don't realize. So comparing yourself to other people is, I, I know that people say like comparison is the thief of joy. Once I started like not worrying, okay, I have peers that have already graduated. Like um, the classmates that I had before I immigrated um, are doctors now, like they just finished medical school. So if, if I fell into the pitfall of like comparing myself to them, I would definitely feel super bad about myself. But now that I'm realizing that, hey, I'm not a doctor, but I would make a dang good engineer one of these days. Um, it makes me feel a little better that, hey, my path is different. So my end goal is going to look different as well. Definitely. And um, this is something that is coming up and is going to sort of drive, uh, I, I feel like the future of generations as well, wherein like education as a system is changing, career as a system is changing. Uh, you know, trajectory, like you mentioned, even assuming, you know, there were certain norms that were defined, life had certain, you know, obstacles along the way. So, so can you talk a little bit from that standpoint as well, wherein like, how do you sort of, uh, you know, compartmentalize it all? Or like, how do you sort of uh, take it all in uh, and say, hey, you know what, I'm not losing, you know, something or um, I'm not sort of, uh, getting overwhelmed and this is okay uh, from that standpoint as well. So any any thoughts on that as well? <laughs> I am definitely, like, I'm not going to make the like illusion that I, I know how to juggle everything. Like, I, I think what it is is a juggling act. There's all these different facets. There's all these different, like, I, I guess, like, balls that you have to handle. Like, you have work, you have school, you have your family, you have, like, your career. And all of these things, like, you can only hold on to so many at the same time while the rest are up in the air. So being able to manage that, like, hey, these are how many I have slots for in my brain to focus on at the same time. These are how many I can put in the back burner without, like, falling off the band, like, falling off, what was it? Falling through the cracks, that's what I'm saying. Like, self-awareness is really helpful in 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 that you can know how much you can handle how much okay i'm gonna need help or i'm gonna be burnt out by the end of the week maybe i shouldn't take on these many things or maybe let's reassess the priority levels to see which ones i can't let go of and which ones i can push off for another time definitely um, you know, you mentioned a great thing in terms of juggling too many um, things on your own plate. Um, sometimes I, I feel like my struggle is, you know, I, I don't want to sort of uh, put too many things on my plate. But at the same time, I'm also sort of wondering, am I putting too little things on my plate so that, you know, uh, I have time left over and I don't know what to do with my time. And this has sort of been a balancing act um, from from that uh, standpoint as well. Uh, you know, 
one of like uh, especially the asian culture the you know the, the way uh, uh, there is a huge struggle in terms of asking for help so you know I, I i just wanted to you know get your take on like what's what was your journey and understanding that for one you could ask for help and for two how do you sort of go about you know uh, that process uh, making that just that little bit easier for other people as well so i think so i i like to go deeper into things like why don't i like asking for help like investigating further what the intention or the motivation is for why i do and don't do things and mm -hmm. for me the reason why i didn't like asking for help was because it was admitting that i was not good enough to not need help in the first place mm -hmm. so like addressing that reconciling that hey i am still just as fine of a person, just as worthy of a person, even if I need a little help with this thing. I, I, something that helped me like tangibly was like, okay, I'm not so good at, I don't know, um, washing the dishes, but mm -hmm. I am much, much better at sweeping the floors. So mm -hmm. knowing that like there are strengths and weaknesses, there are things that I am much better at that, mm -hmm make up for even if i'm not as good at this other thing i can ask help for that other thing and then help in the thing that i'm already good at mm -hmm. um and like this give and take of and like this because like asking for help is admitting as well that we are social creatures we are um we we need connection as human beings so mm -hmm. this symbiosis of like i'm trusting you by mm -hmm. asking for your help and i'm gonna like uh, I'm gonna reciprocate that by also giving you help. Definitely. Um, you know, I think we, we lose track of this fact wherein like we as a society have evolved for so many generations. And there is a reason why we've survived for this long because we are a collaborative community. Uh, and we, we've depended on each other uh, for uh, things that we aren't good at. Uh, but like, you know, from an individual perspective, from a family uh, oriented perspective, uh, we are sort of either given uh, too much expectation or, you know, that there is uh, sometimes there's this sense of ego that you can do everything all the time. And, you know, that sort of drives you to, to places where you say, hey, um, uh, you know, if only I tried just that little bit harder then I can do everything. Um, and, you know, that, that sometimes leads you into that rabbit hole uh, of sorts as well. Uh, you know, some of the other struggles have been, you know, uh, for me to find, you know, right kind of help from the mental health standpoint, right? Can, can you talk a little bit about your own experience on like how you sort of, how your experience has been uh, from like asking for help to like getting to a place where you say, you know what, um, all things considered, uh, I am in a better place from where I was before. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's definitely been a trial and error. It, it, it's been there. There have been hits. There have been misses. There have been. Uh, I've had therapists who I could tell were just like not interested in hearing me or or like getting to the root of my issues, and we're just like I don't know, maybe they're for a paycheck. Mm -hmm. I had trigger happy and trigger unhappy psychiatrists that were like either really, really eager to give me medication and just like up my dosages. That it took me a while to figure out like, why are you keeping upping my dose? I have four meds now. They're all like mm -hmm. 200 milligrams each. And mm -hmm. like, she still wanted to up my dose. So being like, like 
yes, trust your healthcare provider, but also like be inquisitive, be like a healthy level of skeptical that like, hey, um, you know yourself best. Like the thing about um, mental health is there there is a, a level of like trust in the patient that they can explain what they're going through because it's not like you can see a gash on like you can see a gash on your leg but you can't mm. really like see the problems of like let's say ptsd mm-hmm. um so i think that um it, it it definitely took me a while to get used to for example um in therapy sessions, it used to be that I would just like ramble and ramble and just like talk about my week and it would not get anywhere. Like there were, there was a time in the first year or so of my therapy. It was just like, go, like it it wasn't structured. I didn't really know. Like there, it was just a part of my routine. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I could talk about my week. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we would talk about heavier stuff, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't like, I I didn't really feel a direction with it. And Mm -hmm. then uh, a couple of therapists after that, maybe like one or two therapists after that, I got a therapist that was very goal oriented. So mm-hmm. what, that's one of a, one green flag for you to look out for in a therapist or in a psychiatrist. Goal oriented. They they see where they they help you see where you want to end up, and mm-hmm. tangibly look for steps for you to like get there to where you want to be. How can, how do you envision your healthy looks like? Because. Mm-hmm. Like even if we say we're healthy, there, there, it's not gonna be like a hundred percent. So like, what are you? What are your priorities in your recovery? I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I had um, like there are some clinics that have like three month check ins of like these are your goals every three months. Um, and then there are others like private practices maybe are, are a little more fluid with that. Um, it depends on where you end up. I personally really liked the experience of going to a clinic versus like, cause that way my psychiatrist and my therapist could talk to each other. So when I told my therapist that my classes were starting soon, my psychiatrist already knew, hey, we're gonna have to look out for that. Her stress levels are gonna rise. So that communication between my care team, super duper helpful. And that's not something that a lot of people, like a lot of facilities have um only urban areas only like if you have like the right kind of insurance um so that's like if we ever get there that's actually one of the things i'm trying to solve with the app that i'm building <laughs> definitely um you know thank you for highlighting that wherein um there is trial and error to begin with um understanding if there are certain green flags with the therapist that you're interacting with um, learning that just because you've had a conversation with somebody that you have to stick to them, um, you know, going through that process of, uh, you know, navigation with different therapists and seeing their approaches as well. Um, and, uh, ultimately sort of defining where you want to be, uh, because like without that clarity, um, you know, I've seen this happen with a lot of people wherein, you know, they they say they are in therapy, but they're not really getting anywhere. It it, it also, it almost becomes uh, just another mechanism, gating mechanism almost, uh, to say that, you know, you have somebody to depend on and you just go there and you went and you come back and, you know, you fall back into the same sort of patterns. So, you know, that that is something that is very important. The, the, the last thing that you mentioned was like, yeah, the communication between the psychiatrist and the, and the therapist. So that way they understand where you are and uh, they can sort of tag team together to you know help you better uh, accomplish your goals as well um now since you brought it up 
what's what's the app that you're building and like how can people sort of find more about it as well so <laughs> Um, so the app that I'm building is called Tomo. Um, mm. With my experience from, like my own personal ex lived experience in um, a psychiatric uh, facility, like inpatient care, where mm. I had 24 hours, um, like someone was always looking after me, always making sure I was taking my meds, going to outpatient care once I was discharged, where I was mostly like self-directed, like I was on my own, I had to figure it out. I had like a pamphlet at best. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to bridge that gap where even if you aren't so severe that you need to go to the hospital, you still need care. So mm -hmm. what about those people who are like moderate um, to not so severe mm -hmm. um, mental illness or chronic condition? I want to help them better um, adhere to and monitor their treatment. Mm -hmm. um, it's still very early. Like I, I, I was in the hospital in spring and I've only had the idea since I got out of there. Um, I am honestly focused right now on um, market research, like determining what exactly is the problem that um, folks in outpatient treatment are facing mm -hmm. um, before going into like, I I, uh, I have a few friends from hackathons because I brought this idea to a hackathon or two. Mm -hmm. um, who are developing the MVP. Mm -hmm. So um, I think the main thing that we're like in search of right now are folks who can speak about their experience in outpatient care mm -hmm. and um, folks who know React Native. Because I, I, I've been finding that um, the the gap, like since we're, we're both like working in tech, the gap in like junior to senior is, is growing. Mm -hmm. Like there's not a lot of either you're super duper experienced or you're super duper junior is what I'm noticing with the new, um, like, uh, what do you call that? Uh, atmosphere of the Sure. I get uh, what you're uh, getting at. Um, and yes, uh, you know, um, to understand what it takes to build something, uh, especially in the mental health space, you know, th this is something that I want to talk about as well. And I'm glad you brought it up wherein like the way you went about doing this is, you know, pitching your idea to a few hackathons and seeing, uh, you know, how it lands and do you see interest and, you know, understanding how you can sort of go um, after people who uh, want to, you know, make that impact and build something out as well as have the skill set like you were mentioning. The lack of skill set sort of is a huge obstacle as well to sort of contribute um, in, in a good enough manner. Um, so, um, you know, that being said, uh, you know, one thing that I ask people is like, um, how uh, do you sort of manage your own sort of mental health uh, on a regular basis, right? Um, I understand, you know, that there is this aspect of medication, um, you know, that there is this aspect of therapy, but on a day-to-day -day basis, I feel like, you know, there are things that, you know, uh, we can be doing to sort of manage our mental health better. So like, you know, what would your sort of insight be on uh, that for people trying to understand how to, you know, handle their mental health better? Sure, of course. So um, my thing for me is, uh, oh, two things. I got two main things for me. I, I'm like a plant. My mental mm -hmm. health will suffer so badly if I don't go outside in a while, but I'm very isolated. Like ever since the pandemic, I, I work from home. I stay at home most days. Mm -hmm. um, so I can like, even if I don't 
like do anything about it. I can see the difference that it takes on my day to day if I don't go outside versus I do go outside. Um, mm-hmm. So getting a lot of sun, even just mm-hmm. like taking a walk, like there, there, there was my street could be better, but there were, there was a time when I would first thing I do in the morning, take a walk, not first thing, but like very early in the morning, I start my day with a walk mm-hmm. um, and it would like, recharge me rejuvenate me for the rest of the day mm-hmm. uh, it just takes a lot to like get that initial push that like um uh starting energy um mm-hmm. but so that's one the other thing is um like being aware of what it looks like once i'm deteriorating mm-hmm. like if i know that i lose my appetite for example if my if i'm starting to get burned out i'll mm-hmm. take a note of hey i haven't eaten dinner and i'm still not hungry it looks like my appetite is a little low maybe i need to slow down maybe i do need to take a break even though i'm not feeling as tired so mm-hmm. like listening to your body's cues is, mm-hmm. is um how i would say like the day-to-day looks like um sometimes like ways that i think that that can get easier is like tracking like Mm -hmm. if you if you notice that your sleeping is off or if you're eating or irritability um like if the thing that would like piss you off and make you go throw a fit is much smaller now than before like you could have totally just taken it in stride and been the the bigger person and not been petty Mm -hmm. um like keeping like being more aware of your own triggers and of your own um like symptoms and etc um will help you be more prepared for when it does come later down the line because it's gonna like you are gonna get burnt out again you are gonna like get depressed or get manic again it Mm -hmm. being more prepared when it does arrive will make you like all set yeah um (laughs) you know um i just had to reflect on what you said a lot because, uh, you know, I know of a lot of people, like you said, getting that initial boost in the morning um, is very essential because like, I know people struggle to get out of bed in the morning because like, you know, it just feels like there's an additional weight on you, which is sort of pushing down saying, hey, you know what, I just don't want to do it. Um, You know, understanding that, you know, and being more compassionate about it. Um, is uh, something that uh, I've been, you know, doing that myself as well. Um, the other, you know, great thing that you mentioned is like the sense of irritability and noticing your own sort of body cues um, uh, definitely made a lot of sense because, you know, you can notice that in the simplest of things, right? Like when you're driving and you see somebody cut you off and like you say, oh, you know, no, yeah, you know, uh, and like what are your sort of symptoms or when, you know, so you're working on something and something doesn't work. And like, you know, how soon do you get to that stage of saying, hey, you know what, I don't care. Like, you know, I, I this is just not working for me sort of uh, stage rather than saying, OK, you know what, I just realized that I just found out one of those ways where this doesn't work. And like, you know, what are some of other possibilities that I can try um, as well? So, um, you know, um, the other thing that I'm sort of trying to bring awareness around is also to be inclusive is, you know, do you have like a personal go to motto or a statement or um, or something that sort of inspires you? Right. Uh, When you sort of read it, you're like, okay, you know what? you know now i get some energy uh, from that standpoint it could be something that you say to yourself 
could be in your own local language uh I, and you know that these are some things that i feel like are important so that you know more people feel included as part of the conversation so i the 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 my like thing to motivate me isn't in my own language or anything like special it's just like i used to say we got this and i kept like like we got this we got this we got this when i would like psych myself up and then i realized hey let's try changing that i got this i'm not waiting for anyone to save me it's in my own hands this is my life i got this it's mm -hmm. not no like even if I could ask for help, no one else has my back more than I do. So I mm -hmm. got this, I think mm -hmm. is the closest I have, but it's like a very generic phrase. No, that's okay. So, so the thing is like, you know, um, there was somebody who had come in um, and she said uh, the simplest of things, um, you know, so if you they, and, and she said that it says you are strong, right? And just repeating that over and over again in, in that local sort of uh, language, um, you know, it gives you that sense of confidence, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, uh, the thing is, like, that's what I'm trying to sort of communicate to people as well, that, you know, you want to come up with those small taglines or that, you know, small dialogues or whatever that you want to use that sort of can pick you up when, when you're feeling that low or, like, when you, when you feel like you need some energy and you don't have that energy to sort of go. Uh, for the whatever next hour or so, right? So the, that, that was the main uh, motivation behind that. Uh, you know, one last thing that I'll ask for you is like, um, you know, what are some of the challenges that you've seen? Like, you know, uh, along your own sort of mental health journey, uh, I know you're trying to solve one of those problems in terms of seeing uh, how, you know, people can get better assistance. But like, you know, anything of note that comes to mind that you feel like is still a problem and, you know, that uh, can be addressed, but isn't being addressed from that standpoint. Isn't it? So. Um, I think I, I the, the first thing that comes to mind, there probably are others, but the first thing that comes to mind is like the lack of research into um, like more inclusive neurodivergent research. Like have like um, you may have noticed there's like an uptick in uh, people talking about ADHD, autism, and just like neurodivergence in general. But mm -hmm. that is because most of the research before this uptick was about was done on little um, middle class white boys who had mm -hmm. ADHD and autism, and mm -hmm. they always presented the exact same way. So mm -hmm. because of that, because of research, people didn't know, or people are still struggling to know what ADHD and autism looks like in women, in mm -hmm. people of color, in mm -hmm. low income families. Mm -hmm. um, so I think being more like, like being more, um, I guess the challenge there is um, keeping a, a more open mind on what um, these neurodivergence, these differences can look like in different people. Like mm -hmm. hyperact the, a, the hyperactive in ADHD doesn't have to mean like always like being a literal ball of energy. It could be me overthinking so hard in my head that no other thoughts can penetrate it. Mm -hmm. um, and 
like my own personal experience with that is I started like my first diagnosis was depression, like just mm-hmm. general flavor depression. And mm-hmm. then I went to bipolar one. And mm-hmm. now we're seeing that, hey, I also have ADHD and autism, which like, is that it? Or is it both? Or is it like none of the above, all of the above, whatever? Um, and I am starting to like pinpoint now, like, hey, which ones are my mental, like my mental illness and which ones are my neurodivergence and just like being able to like figure that out without as much research that's like out there has mm-hmm. been a little challenging. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one thing that I definitely picked up on is the way the labels are created um, have been using uh, certain norms which aren't inclusive and uh, for one we need to make the labels more inclusive to say hey you know what uh, you know wh- how do these symptoms manifest in different people um how do we sort of perceive um you know certain audiences um based on you know their behavior and can we categorize them better um can we add more labels or can we sort of build different systems where we can understand how to sort of categorize and help these people um, in different ways as well. Um, and the other thing that I sort of took away as well is in terms of like the data that people collect, let's be more inclusive, um, you know, you know, so that once you gather the data, the, you know, whatever evidence that you get um, and, you know, whatever uh, solutions that you propose, uh, are inclusive uh, rather than you know uh, you know uh, trying to figure out what went wrong when you don't have all pieces of the puzzle as an input to begin with this one. Um, you know the, the the conversation was just amazing, and I I just wanted people to take away a few things from the conversation. So you know if you wanted people to take away maybe three things, like what would they they, they be from this conversation? So. Um. We kind of covered a lot. So um, one thing that you said that I didn't get to comment on was like you used the word compassion and it stuck with me so much for like the topic of like generational trauma and like family and like like that part of our conversation, being compassionate and like knowing that, hey, if I'm going through all of this stuff in my own head, um, and there are 7 billion people out there, there are 7 other seven billion other people going through the exact same, like, not exact same, but the same level of, like, complexity and turmoil and, like, um, conflict. So if, like, treat, oh, treat others the way you would want to be treated is another takeaway that I would want to have. Um, mm-hmm. If you want others to be more compassionate to you and your needs, be more compassionate to others and their needs. Um, mm-hmm. And... Ah. Uh, so another part of like what I uh, what helps motivate me is Uncle Agro from Avatar The Last Airbender. One of the things he says is there is nothing wrong with letting the people who love you help you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's my third takeaway. Let help in the people who love you help you. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that was a great sort of comment. Uh, to end the conversation, but, um, you know, I just wanted to sort of um, reiterate that, right? Because 
it's a struggle for one to understand you need help for two to get to a place where you understand where you need help and finally to sort of be open enough to tell people that hey you know what these are the places where i need help and can you help me and asking for help uh, from from that standpoint so th- thanks again isabel the conversation has just been beautiful and my hope is more people find inspiration from your uh, you know approach and uh, you know that they find more compassion right uh, in in uh, what they're doing as well so uh, thank you again for your time thank you so much sanjay